0: Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Final message, uh, talking about the gifts, the gifts that we see in the New Testament. There are various, various kinds of gifts uh we see them a lot in the new testament and you know as we finish up this series i was telling heather last night this has probably been the hardest thing i've done because i feel the weight and the pressure uh to get it right now some of that is put on by myself but that's also to um but it's also this the sense or um the understanding of bringing clarity the the um opportunity right what's been entrusted to me to bring clarity to what this really is what is the holy spirit what are these gifts and so we talked about why we called this holy. We are to this is how <laughs> how to live every day. We kind of made this an acronym. And you see, like I say, gifts a lot in the New Testament. And so there are three three different types of gifts, depending if you're in Romans or Corinthians or Ephesians, and um, they get talked about a lot. And it's easy to get them confused. It's easy to go, "Well, Paul said this, and but God gave me this, but Jesus said this, and." It's also real easy to be kind of weirded out by all of it and be like, well, we're just going to skip over that section and go right back to the Old Testament where there's concrete stuff that I know I can trust, right? Because we know that the Holy Spirit is a person now because we've talked about that for six weeks. And so we either skip over all of them or we just stick to what we know or the, or the word that makes the most sense, even though we might not have clarity around what that gift is. That sounds, um, you know, not as abrasive. And so, yeah, I can, I can deal with that. And so we stick to what we're comfortable with or what we know. And so as we jump into these gifts, I want to take just a moment to pray because this is nothing that, that a man can teach you. This is what the Spirit must reveal to you, and it, all, and it comes in time. It comes in time. I believe that these messages we put out that we share on you know, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, and we have our podcasts up, those are all great. I think this message that I'm speaking today is going to resonate with a lot of you, but it's not going to resonate with, with hundreds of people for months, maybe weeks or days, Um, God's going to bring this to you. The Holy Spirit's going to reveal this to you. So let's pray that this morning. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the last six weeks, Lord, that we've been able to dive in and see who you are. Who you are. Not just as a father, not just as a son, Lord, but the person of the Holy Spirit and who you call us to be. Father, I ask that you open our eyes, our hands, our ears to receive, Lord. We only understand this because you reveal it to us. The Holy Spirit reveals it to us. This is nothing a man can teach. This is what the Spirit reveals. So we receive that today. And I just thank you for moving people forward today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so there are two verses that have kind of carried us through this whole, uh, through this whole series. And they are first John 16, 7 through 8. If you're a note-take, you can write that down. I'm in the Amplified here. It says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocator, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, essentially the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. And he will come and he will convict the world about guilt, which is the need for a Savior, and righteousness, which is now that you've been saved, you're in the right standing with God, and about judgment. Now you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. He will, he will convict you of those three things, not condemn you for being wrong, but convict you of being right. Okay, Acts 2.38 in the Amplified Version says, Peter said to them, Repent. Change your way of thinking from your sinful ways. This is to receive your salvation. Accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah. Be baptized. This is water baptized. We talked about this in depth last week. In the name of Jesus. And because of the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the Holy Spirit, spirit baptism. Okay, and so those are kind of the anchors for where we're going. Now, the Holy Spirit comes to build you up. If there was a theme, if I could change the title, what I saw through this and what God revealed to me this is, is this, that God comes... Jesus, God gives, Jesus gives, the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit gives to build us up, to be built up or to build up, to build up. So we know that the Holy Spirit comes to build us up. And my hope, my hope for you in this series is that, that you've been built up, that you have a clear understanding, that you have more knowledge, that you have more clarity around who the Holy Spirit is, that you have a sense of understanding and empowerment to walk fully in the promises of God because you've received the Holy Spirit. Because you receive the Holy Spirit, if you've not, please contact me. My information is on the bottom of the screen. I would love to love to have a conversation, start a conversation, help you go a little bit deeper, take one more step. And so, speaking of going deeper, understanding now that the Holy Spirit comes to build us up, how well do you receive? How well do I receive and walk in the grace gifts that have been given to us? Now there are three groups of gifts that we talked about. I want to take a practical look. I want to define each of these. I want to give examples of each. So if you're a note taker, you're going to be able to screenshot. There's one graphic I didn't get made today. I apologize for that. Um, but you're going to have to dig in on your on your note taking. There, You won't be able to screenshot. Okay. And so group one, we've already covered. <clears throat> this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's confirmed in Acts 2.38. We just read. This is the gift. We call it manifestational because you embody it. You make it known. You see in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, that each one is given the gift We're all included in each. And so the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone, right? Now, in verse, um, and what you see in verse 11 is he gives them for the good of all, for the entire human race. And so verse 11, it says, all these things, the gifts, the achievements, the abilities, the empowering are brought about by one and the same Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually, just as he chooses. Meaning we get more of the Spirit in our willingness, right? He wills it through our willingness. And so then we understand that we don't have any of the gifts listed in first Corinthians 12 that we talked about back in week four, but we have the gift. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hundreds of you prayed to receive the Holy Spirit last week, which is incredible. And not only do we have the gift, but he, the Holy Spirit has all of the gifts talked about in first Corinthians 12. And because we have him, we have them because he works through us so that we understand that we do not get more of the Holy Spirit. He gets more of us. It's a willingness. And the, and the biggest thing you need to understand is when you pray to receive the Holy Spirit, you get one full, complete serving of the Holy Spirit. You're not on Holy Spirit rations, right? He's not on reserve for a later date, and you're not waiting around for Him. Once you have Him, you have Him. Now, it's a matter of how much He has of you. And so, From the point that you pray to receive the Holy Spirit, it is through your willingness to be used by God, to be used by the Holy Spirit, that that He begins to work through you, if that makes sense. So what do I mean? Scripture says that He distributes each one, each one, for the good of all, for the good of all. So what am I saying? I'm saying He doesn't give anything to you. He brings it out of you, and He brings it out of you for everyone else. So if you are selfish and unwilling, the Holy Spirit is not going to bring anything out of you. It's not a head knowledge that you have. It's a trust that you walk with. It's being willing to be used by God, right? What? (laughs) What? So you see, the Holy Spirit wants to work through you 100% of the time. This is what we're talking about. This is what we've talked about. And the reality uh, that we have to live in is is how often am I 100% available? How often am I 100% available? So that's it for that. Let's look at the second group of gifts this morning. These gifts were given to you at birth. They are personal to you. You were given these gifts when God created you, okay? These gifts are from the Father. They're personal. Think of this group as intrinsic gifts. These are personality gifts. These are traits that you have. They are natural to you. They're natural to you. Some of you already know this. Some of you are blind to it, okay? <clears throat> some of you are more analytical. Some of you are more blunt. Some of you know what to do. Some of you know what to say. That makes you be called a know-it-all, right? You got to keep that in balance, right? Nobody likes to know it all. <laughs> so if that's you, you just got to know that you, you're keeping it in balance. You keep all these gifts in balance, but these intrinsic gifts are in you and they're in you automatically. You don't have to try for them. You don't have to research them. You don't have to learn them. You don't have to, to know them. They're in you. This is how God, this is how God made you. And so we all have unique gifts, right? We all have unique personalities because God made all of us unique. And so then we're wired with these intrinsic gifts to accomplish, get this, we're wired with these intrinsic gifts to accomplish our individual, unique life purpose that God gave us. You see these gifts listed in Romans 12, 5-8. There are seven of them. And I've underlined on your, on your screen here, and we've bolded a couple things. And so we, who are many, are nevertheless just one body in Christ. Individually, we are parts of one of another. Parts, of, parts one of another. Mutually dependent on each other. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Grace gifts. Each of us is to use them accordingly. Each of us is to use our gifts accordingly. If someone has the gift of prophecy, let him speak a new message from God to his people in proportion to the faith possessed. If service in the act of serving, or he who teaches in the act of teaching, or he who encourages in the act of encouragement, he who gives with generosity, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy in caring for others with cheerfulness. We have different gifts We, you and I have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. And so each of us have at least one of these gifts, if not many, if not many. And so these gifts are the gifts that the father, our creator has given to us. And what you see in scripture is scripture doesn't tell us to desire these gifts. This is not that, this is not that grouping, right? We're to desire the gifts of the Holy spirit, Okay. Because he's in us. We want them. We want those gifts to come out of us. We're not called to desire these gifts. Okay. Matter of fact, scripture teaches us to use them faithfully to use them accordingly and really put them in action in your life. God gave you these. They're in you. You should use them. And sometimes culture shuts those gifts down. Sometimes the climate you're in and the people you're around will shut that gift right down. It'll smother it. But God says, use it anyway. Use it anyway. Paul does the same thing later in scripture. I'll show you. And so here's how I want to demonstrate this to you, excuse me this morning. And I think this is going to help you understand, um, this analogy has been used before. It's so good. It's so good. It helped me tremendously when I heard it the first time. And so, uh, let's just say that seven of you are going to go out to lunch. You're going to go out to lunch with seven of your friends. Um, and each of you have one of these gifts that we've just listed. Okay. Seven friends, seven gifts, seven people around the table. Okay. Okay. And two waiters are coming, coming out of the kitchen. One does not see the other stumbles, tips, the tray of food, slips, whatever happens, happens and drops the tray of food. Okay. Now the food goes crashing everywhere. Now let's wait one second. We're going to pause right there. And we're going to say this, before we look at how these gifts are actually to be used, let's look at what we typically, typically tend to do, right? What happens? We all hand clap, right? Which makes the waiter feel just amazing, right? We hand clap, we make fun of them. Okay. Their coworkers might make fun of them. Um, then you get to the other side where it's like, we've been here for 40 minutes, man. That was my food. Now we got to wait all again. you start, we get complaints. You might get some curses, right? You might get people who just get up and leave, right? And then, you know, the biggest one is probably that one who goes to complain to the manager. I cannot believe the show that you're running here. This is ridiculous. All because an accident happens, right? That's how we tend to typically respond. And, and the tough part is this. When we respond in our gifts that are in us, that are intrinsically given to us from God, you see that it's different. It's just like verse six. It says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them accordingly, not to complain, but accordingly. So let's go back now to when the food crashes. You're sitting around the table. We're all talking. We're having a good time. Everything's great. Our food's coming. And all of a sudden, kaboom, right? Kaboom. Should have put that on the screen. That'd have been a good comic book thing, right? Intrinsically, without being coached, without thinking, right? Each person at your table according to the gift that's been given to them, according to the gift that's inside them, will respond uniquely to the situation. Uniquely to the situation. For example, we're at the diner, right? The person at your table with the gift of prophecy will speak some life into you. They're going to say, man, you know, you're really good at this. And then they're going to go ahead and exhort some qualities in you that are going to help you step into your next job. Okay, that's the gift of prophecy. The person at your table with the gift of prophecy would do that. The one with the gift of service is going to immediately stand up and begin to help you. They're going to begin to help the person cleaning. They're going to get all the stuff cleaned up, put back on the tray. That's the person with the gift of service. The one with the gift of teaching is going to say, hey, what can we learn from this? What do we cover in training that's going to help you continue in this position? How can you avoid doing that again? What can we learn from this? The one with the gift of encouragement is going to say, Hey, 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 it's all good. Don't, Hey, don't get down yourself. Okay. This ain't the first time this has happened. It's dang, you're not going to be the last time it's going to happen. You're still the best server I've ever had here. Okay. By far. The one with the gift of giving is going to immediately say to you, you know what? I don't want this to come out of your paycheck. Let me pay for this. Let me pay for this. Oh, they won't let me do that. That's okay. That's okay. I'll make it up to you on the tip, but, but we're going to, we're going to make sure we get this covered. That's the gift of giving the one with the gift of leadership will problem solve and they'll make sure that we all work together to make sure the experience is better. The next time those with, with strong leadership will say, you know, we should open one of these closer to our house so it's not as busy. So these people can make uh, twice the money and we can actually have quicker service, right? That's what somebody with the gift of leadership do. The last one, the one with the gift of mercy is going to look to protect the waiters. And he's going to emphasize there's nothing to be embarrassed about, okay? This happens to all of us. Don't be ashamed. That's the gift of mercy. And so, as you come back, you see how the intrinsic gifts from the Father work for you. We're all naturally bent to respond in one of those ways. It's natural. It's been given to us. Now let's look at the third group of gifts. These are the gifts from the Son. These are the gifts from the Son, And these gifts are given to leaders in the church. They're ministerial gifts, and they're used to build up the church, period. And so throughout Scripture, there's only one thing that Jesus ever promised to build, ever. And it was His church, which is His spiritual family, which is the body, right? Which is us. It's us. Remember, He said in Matthew 16, 18, this is God's Word translation, I guarantee that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And so we see the gifts that build the church in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And we're going to stay in Ephesians 11 after this. So if you want to go there, you can go. If not, just hang. <clears throat> I've highlighted some things that you need to see here. And so the things that are highlighted and underlined, you might follow along with me and do the same in your Bible. And here we go. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, who are special messengers, representatives, some as prophets, who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. You see the definitions of all those things right there. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, God's people for works of service to build up the body, man, to build up the body of Christ, the church, us. And so what you see in here is you see five gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher teacher and each of these gifts are given to build the church to build up the church so people with these gifts help build the church meaning they help build people they help build us meaning they help move people forward in their faith they make disciples this is the commission which is discipleship go into all the world and baptize father son holy spirit I'll be with you forever, right? That's what these gifts do. <clears throat> people with these gifts create disciples, period. And so the Holy Spirit works through them to bring words and to challenge and to help people in their faith, okay? Two words that should stick out to you from this pas- from this passage, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 are some and saints. If you didn't see them and, and we did a bad job, right did a bad job, forgive me, Some and saints. You see some in there several times. You see saints in there one time. Okay. You see saints in there one time. All of us fit in. What you need to know is all of us fit into these two categories. We're either some or we're saints. We're either some or saints. You're either a some or you're a saint. Okay. And even though we all have opinions, the reality is the sums, the sums have been given the gifts to help the saints. Okay. Now, before you can claim any of the gifts that the sum have, okay, you really need to seek God. You need to pray. You need to discern if you have any of these gifts. Do you have any of these gifts? And if the answer is yes, the truth, if the truth is yes, then we, the body, us, the church need you and your gift. So Jesus says, these are more though, than before you go put it on your business card, these are more than a title. These are more of something to be known by. Right, they build the church. So we're going to look at all five of them in a little bit deeper context. If you're a note taker, this is where I was going to make that graphic and I missed it, so you won't have the graphic like the diner apostles. I've bullet pointed these so to be quicker. Apostles establish the church. Okay, apostles are uh, kingdom minded entrepreneurs. Okay, they see something that doesn't exist and they build it for the common good so people can get to heaven. This is me. This is my gifting. Okay. The common good for a community, so more people can get to know Christ, so we can see the commission happen, so we can see Jesus come back, so we can all be in heaven. I'm an ap- apostolic leader. I'm a builder. It's what I love. It's in me. It's, it's amazing. I'm wired this way. I love it. The, the brief point is apostles get kingdom stuff started. Apostles get kingdom stuff started. Prophets. Prophets is unique here, um, and I'll tell you in just a second Why? Prophets are bold truth tellers. They are bold truth tellers. Now, there's two types of prophets. If you're stuck on the one in the Old Testament, that's very different than the New Testament prophet. The prophetic gift has changed since the Old Testament. Being a prophet in the Old Testament meant that you came and you essentially <laughs> is where you gave judgment, okay? You pronounce judgment on people. But when we step into the, because of the cross, there's no more judgment to be to be pronounced on anybody. Now what we see because of the cross, the prophetic gift of judgment is taken because Jesus took all judgment on the cross. Jesus took everybody's judgment on the cross. It's what he took. And so there's now more there's now no more person to person judgment, right? The prophetic gift now is a redemptive gift that's meant to encourage and propel the church forward or forward, right? And so knowing that this is prophecy is a big deal. We see Paul tell us, man, you should, you should prophesy, right? So then evangelists, number three, evangelists are what? This is probably the one that we all know. They're great at gathering people and leading them to Jesus. That's what evangelists do. When you think of evangelists, you think of Billy Graham. Nobody, nobody was greater or more amazing at gathering people and leading them to Jesus than Billy Graham. Pastors, Pastors, they lead, they give advice, and they counsel people in the community. They lead, give advice, and counsel people in the community. When you think about a pastor, you think about a shepherd. This is somebody with a rod and a staff. They kind of keep you in line, right? And they can also turn that staff around to beat somebody with it, okay, if somebody comes against you. Right? A pastor is someone who's going to walk with you and who's going to lead you as you go. Teachers have the ability to help you acquire knowledge, competence, and virtue, okay? Okay? They make learning easy and applicable. That's applicable. That's what a teacher does. It's kind of like what I've done with this Holy Spirit series, right? You're welcome. (laughs) That's a big time joke. So then these gifts, uh, those gifts um, are great. Okay. And those are the five, but I want, and those are, those are the gifts that are given to some, those five are the gifts that are given to some, but I want to define the one word saints, because I think there's still. There's still some mix here. And so I wanted to define saints for one reason, clarity, clarity, because some are saints, right? These people have, these people have experienced the baptisms and some, and they've been gifted. So what's the difference between the some who've been gifted and the saints, right? A saint is this, a saint is most of us, right? It's a person regarded as holy, a saint is a person regarded as holy. That's why we titled this series what we did. It's a born-again believer, a member of the body or local church, who embodies the fruit of the Spirit and walks in love. Now, you understand that we could have titled this series Saints. But instead, we titled it holy. What is a saint? A saint is a person regarded as holy. Holy which is how to live every day. We live every day as saints. That just came to me yesterday. Now, remember the two words that stuck out, some and saints. God gave some these gifts to build up the saints. It's us. And so this creates the question, what is the real difference? What is the real difference? Now that you have them defined in front of you, what's the real difference? The difference between being a disciple who is a follower of Jesus, who is a saint, and an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is this. A disciple or a saint is one who is being taught. An apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher is the one teaching. Okay, that's the first part. The second part is this. A disciple or a saint is considered to be anyone who's a born-again believer. Okay, that's what you're considered to be. An apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher is a born-again believer, but they are people who have a specific role in establishing and building the body, in building the church, Jesus' spiritual family, okay? Why? Now that we've cleaned that up, the Bible gives such great context to this, I cannot skip it, and so I want to stay right where we were in, this is Ephesians, Ephesians 4, And we're going to go verses 13 through 16, okay? You see, this answer right here really covers the three groups of gifts, from the first group to the third gift. This is why every gift from God works together, okay? And this is God's purpose in giving them to us. It starts in Ephesians 4.13. Until we reach oneness in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity, exercising our spiritual gifts in unity so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine. We're not carried around by every wind of shifting doctrine or by the cunning and trickery of dirty men. Okay. (laughs) Unscrupulous men. Or by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. This week, so much news has came out about people who've been taking advantage of leadership in our country for personal profit, for personal gain. Verse 14 eliminates all of that. It says, but speaking the truth in love and all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth, his truth. Let us grow up in all things. Let us grow up. Can not we just grow up and be real? Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example. Who is the head? Christ. From him, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies. Big, bold, if you're going to highlight or underline, here it is. When each part is working properly, not for selfish reason or personal gain, when each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. So what did I just say? There will be maturity and unity among us when we walk in these gifts. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift that God the Father gave us, and the gifts that Jesus gave the church. We will walk in unity. Why? Because we will operate in love, unselfish love. We know that God is love. We know the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. God has made this very simple for us. So then we walk in love because we have God's spirit in us. Okay. So let me recap these last three. Then I want to clarify two things. (sighs) When it comes to us and them, the gifts and us, the gift of the Holy spirit is given to you to continually build you up. There are nine of them. You have all of them. If you have the Holy spirit, you have all nine. What he brings out of you is always at the right time, in the right place, in the right season, for a specific purpose. We trust that. It is why the Holy Spirit's called manifestational. It comes from Him, through you, you embody, and make it known. This is how the Holy Spirit builds you up. Remember, I said if there was a theme in all these, it's to be built up. This is how the Holy Spirit builds you up. Number two, the gifts you have from the Father is how God built you. This is how God built you. He created you. He called you. He knit you together. He chose you. He gave you a purpose. There is great intention for your existence. And it's not to be caught up in personal gain. Okay? That's not it. These gifts from the Father are personal to you. They flow from you. They flow from you. They support your purpose on earth. And you automatically bring this. You automatically bring these gifts to others without having to try without having to think about it, they are in you. This is how God built you. Number three, we see the gifts from the son. This is how he continues to build the church, us, the body, bring us together. What creates unity? One, right? In other words, the gifts Jesus gives to some in the church is how he builds the saints, everyone else, which makes disciples. It's how he builds the church. All of this by the power of the Holy Spirit all of that by the power of the Holy spirit. So then be built up, be built up, walk in this. Now let's clarify two things. There are two things that we get super confused about that cause a ton of chaos, a ton of conflict in the church. Okay. And, and, uh, and even among us as believers, especially when we go cross denomination and we start working as well, you believe this and we believe this and, and it's all that. And it's like, <whistles> let's just look at the Bible. So let's go to the Bible for this. There are two things, prophecy, And tongues. Remember, tongues is that weird word. They called it what it was because it is what it is. Tongues means language. It's from the Greek word glossa, dictionary, language, right? Prophecy. Why? Why why is there so much about prophecy? Because prophecy is the only gift that's included in all three groups of giftings. Okay? Prophecy is the only gift from the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is so unique. This is so unique and should reveal the importance of prophecy to us. Okay. Remember prophecy defined (laughs) through the gift of the Holy Spirit is a message of encouragement from God through a person. It's never correction. It's always encouragement. It's always encouragement. So when someone prophesies, they're speaking edification, they're speaking exhortation, they're speaking comfort. Okay. The spiritual New Testament gift of prophecy is encouragement, if it's anything, right? And so then prophecy and encouragement always, always, almost always come together. You see it in 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. All is you, all is us, all is everyone. It's the church. And what you see is everybody learns. We all learn and we all are encouraged. Now, we argue about tongues, that prayer language, remember, it's just language. And we're going to put that argument to bed today, okay? The funny thing is, is Paul says, don't worry about that, okay? Don't worry about tongues, okay? Don't worry about that gift. You want this one. You want prophecy. You see in 1 Corinthians fourteen five. Now I wish that all of you spoke in an unknown prayer language, but even more, I wish that you would prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater and more useful than the one who speaks in a prayer language unless he translates or explains what he says so that the church the body may be edified edified means built up instructed improved or strengthened why why prophecy resonates across all three for the effect- the effectiveness of the body of the whole for the good for the common good of all prophecy resonates across all three for the common good of all for the effectiveness in the body For the church, us. Prophecy is in all three groups. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And here's the big deal. Prophecy is fulfilled in the coming of Christ. And so then, until the coming of Christ, prophecy's number one role is to be the main ingredient for unity. For unity. Which begins with encouragement, not correction. With encouragement, not complaints. With encouragement, not an opinion because encouragement is rooted in love. God is love. The spirit is love. And so then to, to prophesy is to directly proclaim the heart of God over a situation. If you're going to prophesy, you're going to proclaim the heart of God over a situation. Okay. Why don't we hear this more? Why don't we hear this more? Because I wish you would do this. That's great. But I wish all of you would prophesy. Okay. To prophesy means you proclaim the love of, the heart of God over every situation. The only way that you can proclaim the heart of God over every situation is to know God, right? (laughs) The only way to know God is to accept his son, Jesus. Then after you accept Jesus, you sit with God daily and you build your relationship with him. You engage with him. We call it a chair time. Some people call it quiet time. Some people call it reading the Bible. Some people call it prayer. I really don't care what you call it. Okay. To prophesize directly, proclaim the heart of God over a situation. How do you proclaim the heart of God? You know God. You don't see it and you don't hear it and we don't read about it and it doesn't make the news or your Instagram because fewer and fewer people know the heart of God. Facts, okay? Number two, this is the last thing. The second thing, the final thing that we want to make sure you understand is your prayer language is tongues. What is this tongues thing? We talked about it, okay? Okay. It's been called tongues. The Bible typically refers to it as tongues. Okay. And I want to, you know, I saved this till the very end because this is the one thing. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this about the Holy Spirit. Okay. We've covered a lot. This has been guys, hundreds of hours. Okay. Hundreds of hours. We did a message on all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in part four. It was on May 23rd. If you want to get that, you can I covered the nine manifestational gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are the gifts we started talking about today. I didn't go into them because we did a whole message on them. Okay? One of the gifts we discussed in those nine is the gift of tongues. And it's just what we read in 1 Corinthians 14 5, 14, 5 which says, Now I wish all of you spoke in an unknown prayer language. And then Paul says, But even more, I wish you would prophesy. I wish you all spoke in an unknown prayer language. That's where you see the, the start of it. Okay? Paul says, I wish. The gift of tongues that comes from the Holy Spirit needs and must have an interpretation with it, especially if it's given to the church. And then that's what it tells us in the Bible. And that's what we covered. That's the truth. If, 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 if a tongue, in a big group of people creeps you out, I understand if it doesn't have an interpretation, God tells us to keep our mouth shut. Let me give you a good example of this though. We have two boys, older boys. We have a new baby boy, four kids, two older boys. Oscar's our oldest. Kaz is our youngest one. Kaz was a baby. Kaz was a baby. We thought he spoke Cajun. We thought we should move to Louisiana. That's how it was. It was amazing. But nobody could understand Kaz. And he would just talk and go on and on and on and on and on. And a lot of times when he's playing or at the dinner table, he would say, oh, and he would, you would know he's telling you something. And man, we would lean in and we would listen and we would look and like kind of tilt the rear like. And Oscar would come up beside and he'd say, yeah, hey, he wants some more um, graham crackers. He, he just wants more graham crackers. And I'm like, what do you know, kid, right? <laughs> Here, Kaz, have, have something like more healthy, right? Like a cheese stick or who knows what. And he'd be like, no. i like, okay, graham cracker. Give him the graham cracker. Ah, Oscar, told you, I told you, right? This happened all the time with Kaz. He would say something and Oscar was always right there beside him say, he said this. It happened so much. It happened so much that, that I stopped trying as hard because I knew I had an interpreter, Oscar. And I'd say, Oscar, what'd he say? Dad, he's just saying, you want some of this? Dad, he's just saying this. I do what Oscar say, 100% of the time, 100% of the time. And so what you see in that is (laughs) Kaz had the gift of tongues. Oscar had the gift of interpretations. That's joking, but that's a real look. That's really how simple, how simple this is and how it can be. Okay. We've made it a big deal. Now, there's a big difference between getting a tongue in a big group and praying in tongues, okay? One, you get from God. One, you give to God or say to God, speak to God. You give it, that's fine, okay? Big difference. A prayer language, praying in tongues is not from God, but to God. And you're going to see it very clearly in Scripture that we are and we can. This is a big word. We can. We can pray in tongues. We can. This is really up to you, right? And so then, by the way, if you don't know what language you're speaking, what do you call it? I mean, they called it what it was, right? And so then to be clear, to be clear, your prayer language to God is different than God giving someone a prayer language to share with the church, with the body, with the group. Okay. Three things you need to know about praying in the spirit. Three things you know about praying in the spirit. All of this is up to you. It's not, it's not up to the spirit. You have what you need. You are grace gifted. This is a grace gift. We talked about that in depth. You're grace gifted. So this, all that we're going to talk about, these three things are up. They're up to you. It's, it's, it's up to you. Okay. Now, the first thing you need to know about praying in the spirit is it's scriptural. This is scriptural. It's not something to run from, hide from, be freaked out about. You know, that especially because we know the Holy Spirit is a person. You find the Bible, you find it in first Corinthians 14, two, it says for the person who speaks in another language is not speaking to men, but to God. You can underline to God there. Since no one understands him, however, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. You should, you should highlight this. You should screenshot this. You should read this several times this week. And you should read this without a bias. Because what you see here is this is a prayer language to God in the spirit. This is a prayer to God in the spirit. And so let's fast forward. Let's look at verses 14 through, through 17. And let's take some ownership. Let's take some ownership. Let's own this. Paul says, for if I pray, if, if I pray in another language, okay, which is a choice, okay, for if I pray in another language, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What's he saying? My mind doesn't comprehend. Understanding is translated to mind in some cases, but my understanding, I, I don't get it. I, I, it's unfruitful. I don't understand it. Verse 15. What then? What then? And this is the Amplified. I'm going to read you the Holman here in just a second. He doesn't say, well, because I understand, I guess I'll give up. No, Paul, no, no, he doesn't. Paul says, what then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with understanding. And what Paul is saying is I'll do both. I'll do both. Why have the faith for this? I believe this. I'm certain. I have certain hope about this. I will pray what I understand and I will pray what I don't. And I will sing what I understand, and I will sing what I don't. Otherwise, verse 16, if you praise, which another word for praise is prayer, pray, bless. You see that in some versions. If you pray with the Spirit, how will the uninformed person say amen at your giving thanks or at your prayer? Since he doesn't know what you're saying. Remember, you need interpretation. So, verse 17, for you may be very well giving thanks, praying in the Spirit, But the other person not being built up, not being built up, doesn't know. So what this says, if you talk to God in this language, others won't understand. And it will only cause confusion and conflict in belief, which is why your prayer to God in the spirit is for private. The point is you can pray in tongues. And it's another way for you to talk to God. Not to people. This is a way that you talk to God. This is not a way that you talk to people unless there's an interpreter or you have the interpretation right there with you, okay? Now, this is the apostle Paul. This is the greatest of all time. What he calls it in 1 Corinthians 14 is praying in the Spirit. In verse 2, he said, in the Spirit. In the Spirit. There's been a lot of controversy about this. There's a lot of biases in how we do this. There are a lot of churches who tell you not to do this, right? Praying in the Spirit. You can read what you want, and you can look over what you want. You can scan, you can skim, and you can go over. But for us, the church, for me, I believe in praying in the spirit. I believe it's beneficial for you, and here's why. (sighs) There are some times that you don't know what to pray. I have no clue what to pray. My physical self has no clue what to pray, but my spirit does. My spirit does. Why would I limit that? Why would I limit that? Especially if it brings breakthrough, especially if it builds me up, especially if it's a direct line to God. Why would I not? First Corinthians fourteen thirty nine says, "Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid." I would never forbid this. Do not forbid speaking other languages. This is in the Bible. So anybody who's forbidding you to speak or pray to pray in tongues is going against this. That's not good, okay? So this is a God-given gift. This God-given gift builds you up and strengthens your relationship with the Father. The second thing you need to know about praying in tongues is this. Praying in the Spirit is a benefit. Praying in the Spirit is a benefit in your prayer language, in tongues. Praying in the Spirit is a benefit. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 4. This says the person who speaks in another language edifies or builds himself up. And he who prophesies builds up the church. Love this. This is so solid. Man, stay with me because this has to do with your personal time with God. Now, what's wrong with that? The person who speaks in another language, in a prayer language, the person who prays in the spirit, builds himself up. And he who prophesies, it's better to prophesy. It's better to encourage. That builds up the church, right? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with building yourself up? When did building yourself up become bad or a waste of time or shameful? Instead of building ourselves up, let's just present well. You're not to present a good front. You're to build yourself up. You're to be built up. What you see in this is when you engage in all of the other spiritual disciplines, you build yourself up. This is a good thing. And it's good because you do it in private. Why? Because it's between you and God. What does that mean? God's after your heart. How does He know what is real in your heart when it's you and Him? When you're alone, where are you at? Where are you at? Because in private, it's between you and God. If you were to sum up 1 Corinthians 14, it's essentially just talking about how to pray in public and how to pray in private, right? And it says pretty plainly, if you can't explain what you're praying, you shouldn't say it, okay? Keep it to yourself. Now, in verse 14, we talked about this builds up you and this builds up the church. The one who speaks in a language edifies or builds himself up and the one who prophesies builds up the church. You can put any spiritual discipline in this box if you want to. I chose Bible, okay? Look at four, verse 14. If we replace spiritual prayer or praying in the tongues with Bible, the person who reads their Bible in private builds themselves up. And the person who reads their Bible in public builds others up. The person who worships in private builds himself up, themselves up. The person who worships in public with a joyful noise, right? You can put any spiritual discipline in that. Now, We know that Paul tells in verse two and verse 14, that our prayer language is prayer in the spirit. Okay. There's no way you can interpret anything else from those two verses. You can only ignore it. And if you choose to ignore it, I'm, I'm so sorry for you. Okay. Now I want to reference a couple of verses, um, for you in this, in this topic right here, that this is scriptural. This is a benefit to you that are in the Bible they are God's word. They're God confirming this in you. They're God conforming it for you. If you talk about the armor of God, we're not going to read through this for time's sake because we are wrapping up. But when you look at Ephesians 6, 17 and 18, this is the very end. We have all the armor of God on. This is closing out the last two verses. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying in the spirit, if you're writing or taking notes or highlighting. And when you add this with 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says praying in the spirit is praying in your prayer language. This is to God. Look at Jude 20. Jude 20 always gets me because there's only one chapter in Jude, so they don't have to put the one in front of it. Jude 20. I was like, Jude 20. Okay. But you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Add Jude 20 with verse 4 or cross-reference with with 1 Corinthians 14, 4. And you see, he who prays in the Spirit builds himself up. So when you need to be built up, you pray in the Spirit. It's you and God. You don't run from it. You don't avoid it. I need all the building up I can get. I don't know about you. I've never known anybody to say, no, man, I'm as strong as I'm ever going to be. Solid. I've hit, I've peaked spiritually. This is where I'm at. A lot of people think they, they peak spiritually when they pray the prayer of salvation. Well, there it is. And they have no clue what God has in front of them. And it's so great. So if you think you've peaked spiritually, you haven't. Okay. There's, there's so much more. Okay. We do this to be built up. The third and final thing about this is it's a choice. It's a choice. It's not some crazy thing that happens. Okay. It's a choice. You see this in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 14 and 15. this praying to God, this prayer language comes with a grace. Remember your grace gifted. Okay. It comes with a private grace. It's not for public. It's personal. It's not for public. It's personal. Remember the gifts of the spirit all come with that grace. These are, these are grace gifts. This is no different. This is no different. Verse 14 for I pray there. Here, let's just, uh, I underline or highlight if and I will, okay? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but the understanding is unfruitful. What then is the conclusion? This is the Holman version. It's a lot a little clear. Okay, what is the conclusion then? The conclusion is this, I will. That's a choice. Paul says, I will. I will pray with the spirit. And he makes another choice. I will also pray with, under, I, will, I also will pray with the understanding, what I know. English, right, for us. I will sing. It makes a choice. I will sing in the spirit. And I will sing with the understanding, I will, you have a will. Your will is a choice you can choose. Someone asks you to go to um, out to eat after this. Someone asks you to go to the movies. Someone asks you to go to a football game. You're gonna say, I will, or I will not. You have a will. Paul says, I will. You have the power of choice. God gave you a will. Paul gives us a great example. He says, I will. So it's a decision you make. This is a choice that you have to pray this type of prayer to God. It doesn't come over you, okay? This is what you need to understand. This has been the biggest misconception. We've addressed that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, okay? So it doesn't come over you. You're not going to fall into a trance the next time you're at the local grocery store. Grab the mic and go to go to work on the mic and just freak out, okay? That's not what it is anyways. This, is, this comes with grace. This is a holy, this is an intimate moment with God, okay? People who are grabbing the mic at... At the grocery store and doing that, have no clue what this is. Okay. And I'm sorry if they've if they've clouded your thinking. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. You can relax knowing that this is a gift from God. All of this happened because Jesus gave his life for you. This is an act of your will, it's your choice. Okay. We cover this in depth: who the Holy Spirit is in week one. If you miss that, you need to go get it. So here's the question. Why would Paul tell us how, where, and when if we couldn't control it? Because it's a big misconception. We just think we're so, you know, (laughs) clouds are moving, the wind's blowing. Is this the time? No. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Here's the bigger question. Since it's scriptural and it builds you up, why would you choose not to pray in the spirit? Why would you choose not to? And here's what I want to encourage you with. Don't let your lack... Of understanding limit your effort. Don't let your lack of understanding limit your effort. The Bible says you're not going to understand it. We saw it. So don't try to. That was where I failed. I quit before I ever got started because I couldn't understand it. I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to understand. A lot of times it starts with one syllable. It takes your heart being open to God. This is a gift that Holy Spirit brings out in you. And so then it starts with one step, one word right? And trust and trust. So then you need to shelf your excuses of feeling silly or like you're talking gibberish, right? That's part of the reason why you pray in private anyways. Your choice to pray takes faith. It takes faith. Remember my analogy of Kaz and Oscar. When a child speaks, you don't understand it and neither do they, but that doesn't mean they stop. That doesn't mean they stop. Okay. And neither should you. So then Paul said, when I pray, I'm going to close this out. Paul said, when I pray, my spirit prays. When I pray in the spirit, when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. Knowing that you're three parts whole, spirit, soul, body. Isn't it time that you let your spirit pray? Instead of letting your flesh curse, create some space for your spirit to pray. Relax. Okay. The book of James says, no man can tame the tongue, but the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can. And the reality is is your spirit is ready to pray. It's been a waiting opportunity. Okay. You just need to get your body out of the way. Here's the biggest thing. Paul said in verse five, I wish you all prayed in the spirit. I wish you all prayed in the spirit. I wish you all. I'm going to tell you the same. I wish you all prayed in the spirit. As a pastor, your pastor, I wish you all prayed in the spirit. I wish you would pray in the spirit, in the spirit. Why? It builds you up. It builds you up. Any person, any pastor in the country who does not want you built up, there's something wrong. That's called control, okay? You should be built up, you should be empowered, and you should be walking in the power and the authority that the Holy Spirit has given you. So here's the thing. This is kind of where the Holy Spirit's got to. The Holy Spirit, okay, is the third person of the Trinity. He is a person, okay? The Trinity is not Father, Son, Holy Bible. And if you remember last week, just 25 years after Pentecost, Paul asked disciples if they had received the Spirit, and they said no, just 25 years after. And here's where I think that led to. Okay? I love the Bible, but the Trinity is not Father, Son, Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not exist when this book got released in 393. Okay? A lot of people think he did. Spirit's gone, now we have something physical that we can grab onto and latch onto, okay? But what I want you to know is the Holy Spirit still moves. The Holy Spirit still speaks to those who are willing. And all of His fruits and all of His gifts are available to you. So you can be built up. So you can be built up. Finally, you all have gifts that God gave you they were given to you by grace by grace you are saved by grace you are grace gifted you're not only you're not only saved by grace you live by grace and you're gifted with it so then to close who is the gift of the Holy Spirit he is a person he is with the world He lives in every person who's ever called on the name of Jesus, who is saved. He lives with that person 24-7. We are filled by him. We are built up through him. He refreshes us. He is our helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, and friend. He fills the life of every believer so you move in the spirit when you allow the Holy Spirit to move in you hey thanks so much for listening to today's message I hope that God gave you revelation that you were enlightened and that you can see more of what God has for you make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.